Show number 53 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Okay, show 53. Oh, wow, I had totally forgotten which one it was. I think it is. I think you're right. I think you're right, it is. Um, So, oh my goodness, we have so much stuff that we're catching up on. Um, and and I have a little cold, as you can probably hear. And she's giving it to me. I'm trying not to. I know I can feel it. I'm trying not to. Um, and it resulted in a series of consecutive sneezes that was probably at least ten or fifteen. <laughs> as it, we were watching, it TV. was a record breaker. It was a lot. It was a lot of sneezes. So I'm going to try not to sneeze while we're talking, and I'm going to try not to cough into the microphone either, just to be on the safe side. So, um, the, the mostly what we need to talk about is um, Boston Legal. Right. Because we have been trying to catch up. So, we had four episodes to go through. Um, we just watched two, so we're going to talk about those two, and then we're going to come back. Yes. Talk about the other two. So, let's see. Um, the first one, we also set a record because we got through it in about seven minutes, I think, total. Maybe a little longer than that, but yeah. <laughs> because there was hardly any bill in it. There was hardly any bill, and they've introduced two new hobbits. Yeah, thing one and thing two. Yeah, we don't real. I don't know their names. Okay, uh, I don't know Bitchy Doo's name, the woman. <laughs> the woman. But she, someone called her Bitchy Doo, and yeah, that was I like absolutely that. I like appropriate. That. And I hated that character the minute she showed up. Yeah, I hated her more five minutes later mm-hmm. because, as unrealistic as this show is, she broke the unreality barrier even more because anybody who acts like that their first day on the job, any job, uh-huh. I'm not even talking about law firm, I'm talking about Walmart, would be fired yeah. that day. Yeah, she's completely, she has like no respect for anybody, back talks, says all kinds of outrageous things. Yeah. Yeah, that behavior would just not be tolerated. And I think the other guy's name is going to be Bug Eye. Bug Eye? Yeah. Bug Eye is good. Um, Bug Eye's character name is Coho, like the salmon. <laughs> so he's a bug-eyed salmon. I was going to call him Bug Eye Sideburns because he's got kind yeah, of big sideburns. Yeah. So, and he's played by Craig Bierko, who um, sure, was I know who that is. No, he was one of Carrie's really annoying boyfriends <laughs> on Sex in the City. He lasted like four episodes. He oh. played the jazz player who had attention deficit <gasps> disorder. I remember that he was very annoying as yes. that character. Well, he's going to be annoying in, in this too. I remember that guy. Okay, well now I know who he is. So and that, that works. Yeah, th- yeah. Their introduction set up. A stupid murder case that is dragging on far too long. Mm-hmm. It's it's now four episodes long and has not been resolved yet. Yeah. Well, I, I was saying, And you it's know, getting too much screen time. The problem with when they set these things up is that you stop really caring about the case and what's happening in the case, and it just becomes a matter of wanting to watch it to find out who did it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's Professor Plum in the library with the candlestick. I think it's Colonel Mustard in the drawing room. Really? With, with? the phaser. I, I like that. Um, the only good thing that came out of the uh, thing one and thing two being introduced was um, Deddy Crane saying, <laughs> so when they walk on, of course, they introduce themselves such as they are to him and say, we're the new guys. And he says, oh, that's nonsense. If there were new lawyers here, they would have been in the season premiere. <laughs> what I liked even better about that was he closed that scene, which was the scene before the opening credits, uh-huh. and looked at the camera and said, cue the music. Yeah, that was good. And we need to capture that because I want to use that in our show for oh, when okay. we're going to play our, our great music that we're getting such a wonderful collection of great music. Definitely. Um, we can definitely save that. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah just cue like the, the, music. The, the mature viewing thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> so 
That was good. So my note basically says new characters, bad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which we agree. So the only interesting thing about it was uh, a new storyline, which has continued through the next episode after that, and I guess the next one after that, where um, Bill, <laughs> Bill, Denny Crane, uh, meets someone online, and I think they were calling it Face Space. Right. Which is pretty funny as a conflation of the two that are out there. Um and this, he meets this very beautiful woman who also happens to be a lawyer who likes him. But it turns out she's a dwarf. And he has lunch with her and just can't go through with the rest of the lunch. And she ends up suing him. And then it turns into a much deeper, complicated plot. Um, and he gets to do some pretty good Denny Crane acting, I yes, thought, yes. That, that whole thing. And she was good. I like her. Mm-hmm. She's very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, What's her name? Bethany. 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 Okay. Bethany Horowitz. <laughs> and that's his first thing. He says there's a reason that he couldn't um, have a relationship with her is because she's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, what if we got married and wanted to have midgets of our own? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that, that was good. So, you know, it felt like that episode was a whole lot of setup. It was. There was no actual plot happening. It was just all set up. And it, it kind of looks like, based on what we've seen so far this season, that they're going for longer story arcs. Yeah. I mean, there are some short, you know, one-episode resolutions, like the, the story with Crossdresser, right. who wanted maternity leave. And then in the next episode, um, Shirley and Ivan, they're running right. in court. Those are wrapped up pretty much within their own episode. But the uh, the murder trial that the Thing 1 and Thing 2 are trying... Or actually, it's um, it's Bug Eye and Denise are trying it. Um, the salmon. <laughs> I like the salmon. Yeah, bitchy doing the salmon. That sounds like a really strange children's book. <laughs> salmon sideburns. <laughs> salmon sideburns. That's good too. Um, so that murder case goes on forever. But it also looks like this um, Denny and Bethany thing is. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So. Um, the next episode continues both of those plot lines uh, and then introduces the one with Ivan, a.k.a. Tom Selleck. Right. I still can't think of him as anybody but Tom Selleck. When Gosh, I, I wonder him, why. Yeah. Um, and it brings back um, a, a minor character that we had seen before that you reminded me about who's called um, Gracie Jane. Yes. It's a takeoff of Nancy Grace. And the, <laughs> this was very funny when the episode opens um, – Denny and Paul are watching her talking, spewing on TV, and Paul just says, someone needs to gag that woman. And Denny said, I did that once. It was the greatest sexual experience of my life. (laughs) And I'm actually kind of glad they're getting back to that, because that was a good joke that they did, where any time he saw any woman celebrity, Mm -hmm. or any time any woman celebrity was mentioned, he always had had sex with them. And they kind of dropped that for a while, and I like it that they're bringing it back. Yes, they are bringing it back. And and I was very glad to see they brought Gracie Jane back, and this woman playing it. I mean, the hairdo, the the camera angle, the way it's shot, and everything... It's it's so Nancy Grace, it and is. I really really hate Nancy Grace. It's great. So I'm really glad to see them uh, skewering her. Yeah, so that was good. And gagging her. <laughs> and Denny said it ended well for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we both noticed that they're putting um, Bill in more pink and red ties, and I'm not quite sure that's a good color choice for him. And he did have too much pink lipstick on in that one scene where he had on a pink tie and a pink. It was too um, much pink. Uh, handkerchief. And the thing is, I couldn't help remembering way back, maybe this was actually in the practice, mm-hmm. um, 
or it might have been in the opening of the first season of Boston Legal where um, Alan Shore came in and, and Denny stopped him and said something like, this is a serious law firm, you've got to wear a dark tie. Mm. And now they're putting Bill in very, very flamboyant ties, yeah, which yeah. maybe is a sign of the mad cow. Could be. It could be. I mean, they look beautiful. They're beautiful shirts and ties and everything. But the, I just noticed that all of the ties and handkerchiefs he had were either pink or red or some variation thereof. Mm-hmm. There was nothing dark in there. Speaking of costumes, we both noticed that the costumes and the women in this particular episode, I don't know what happened. But for one thing, um, Bitchy Doo had on a polka dot blouse, white with black polka dots, and she looked like a clown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was a most clown-like outfit. Bitchy the Clown. Bitchy the Clown. And then Candace Bergen, as Shirley <laughs> Smith, was, we both were watching it, and she's wearing a suit. It's a gray suit, a, a skirt, and a jacket. And it's a nice jacket, you know, like well-tailored and everything. And it had stuff attached to the top of it, and it looked like... Something black had exploded all over her. A black tribble. A black tribble had exploded on her, so we were calling it a, a very splody jacket. Yes. It was just both, we went like, oh my God, what is she wearing? It was so unbelievably bad. It really, was horrible. Really horrible. Not to mention the fact that with all that stuff happening on the top of her jacket, it made her shoulders look about three feet wide, <laughs> like a linebacker jacket, and the shoulder pads were not that wide yeah. in it, so that was just an awful, awful costume. Um, so this had the, the storyline with, with Shirley and Ivan going to court because Ivan wants to get divorced from his little wife. But wants to not follow the post-snup right. agreement that Shirley had come up with. Right, right. Alan Shore volunteered mm-hmm. to represent Ivan. Right. So there was a lot of uh, court stuff that happened with with. Uh, Alan being very flamboyant in court and the judge well, telling him to shut up. No, <laughs> actually the judge oh, was shutting up Ivan and Shirley because oh, they, they kept jumping to the fore. Oh. Ivan was more, that's why I originally thought Ivan was representing himself. I got unclear on the point. And Alan was just sitting back going, oh goody, this is so much fun because <laughs> he's seeing this, this domestic drama played out in uh-huh. front of him and he said almost nothing. Okay. Well, see, I couldn't get that from the fast forwarding. So <sighs> because it was just talking and talking yeah. and I couldn't tell who was talking. So the best thing about that episode was the scene that we watched right at the end. So uh, Shirley comes to Alan's office to tell him that she's going to try to go to dinner with Ivan and work things out. And then she wants to know why Alan chose to oppose her on this case. And uh, he basically says it's because he wants to be around her more. And they referred back to that episode where he had gotten the print of her Mm -hmm. from when she was a young woman and had posed nude for this photographer. And... uh, it was a really, really interesting scene. Yep. Because as you were saying, he was playing it in, in, I thought, the not stereotypical, but the way Alan Shore is when he's really good, that he's speaking very calmly and being funny, but also saying true things at the same time. And that's the way he often um, will say something that's very important to him. Mm-hmm. He'll surround it with lots of silly stuff. Right. He won't just come out and say it. And he, he essentially propositions her right there in the office. And it was really, really well done. And they were st- I, I noticed the fact they were standing very close together. He just comes over and kind of stands right in front of her. But I, I love the fact that his whole attitude towards her, as he says, you know, as a young woman, what does he, what's the word he uses? As a young woman, you were divine Fine. in your maturity. You are sublime. sublime. Which was so nice. And... 
his, I mean, I like the contrast now that they're doing between when, when Denny is in his parody way, hitting on a woman and being so overt mm-hmm. and saying, take off your clothes and all that, which is very funny. Um, and Alan is coming on to her, but in a very, uh, Admiring way. Admi- I was going to say admiring way, almost worshipful, mm-hmm. totally non-threatening, but but very um, forward with, with his intentions. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not being tentative about it, really. He's just right. coming out and saying it. And um, her reaction to him is pretty much almost. Yes. So I thought that was great. And then the balcony scene that follows it up is Denny and Alan just discussing all the things that have happened in the storyline with, with Denny and Bethany has continued to go on. And um, now he's admitting that he, he really does find her attractive. And um, there's a whole long discussion about dwarf sex, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is good. Um, but I, I, as I thought might happen, whenever Shirley's name is mentioned and Alan is sort of on the verge of, of admitting how much he really wants her, um, he gets very territorial. And very, very uh, defensive about it. And I was just thinking as they're introducing this, this could be a great story arc for Mm -hmm. the whole season. That Alan really wants to get together with Shirley and and Denny won't let that happen. Or if if it does happen, it's going to cause a huge rift in their relationship. Well, and we were saying that was something that needs to happen this season. Yeah, is is some sort of um, big challenge to the relationship. Because of what Alan does. Right. Right. This would be the thing that he could do. And it would also be really interesting for Shirley's character to decide to have a relationship with him as well. Because mm-hmm. we haven't seen her in a relationship with anybody. Right? Other since, than Tom Selleck. Yeah, but you know, since her character came on, she's not married. She's mm-hmm. not seeing anyone. She's never been, like, her character has never um, been with anyone. Like, even on a casual date. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes we've seen that with the other characters. Yeah. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I think it could be just a really interesting dynamic between the two of them. And also an interesting dynamic between Alan and Shirley. Um, the other thing that I really liked in this episode that I want to bring up is, um, I don't even know if we said this, that Bethany was suing Denny uh-huh. for humiliating her in, in a public restaurant. And she tells him she will drop the case if he, as the partner of Crane Pool and Schmidt will attend this meeting of a, a case she's trying because she doesn't have the clout. And so Denny does attend this and the other lawyer is very arrogant and, and is, you know, uh, very high handed and everything. And because he represents big HMO and mm-hmm. Bethany is a, a small fry lawyer, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> but she is. And, uh, and Denny says, get out of my office before I throw you out. <laughs> Out the window. Out the window, yes. (laughs) So the guy leaves, and Denny says to Bethany, I hope that helped. And and she just turns to go, and he says, I'll see you in court. Mm -hmm. And she's stunned, and he said, when Crane, Poole, and Schmidt commits to something... We go all the way, uh-huh. and it was it was wonderful to see Denny step up to the plate uh-huh. like that. Yep, and uh, and then later <laughs> she, she's saying, "Thank you so much for doing this." And he goes, "You have the full resources of Crane, Pullenschmidt." <laughs> it was great, and I said, "That is the greatest Shetnerian pause it ever." Was. It, it was so effective. It was it was classic. There was also a lot of swallowing in these oh, two episodes yeah. because there was a lot of scotch drinking and, and other things so we did get to see quite a lot of swallowing we also good. saw denny use a breath spray and then take a drink of scotch <laughs> which really kind of curdled me <laughs> that was good that was really really very funny so uh the the denny bethany story ended with um him agreeing to 
put the resources of Cranepool and Schmidt at her disposal. So Brad is now involved in this case. Right. And uh, they're going to go to court and he's going to help her out. And he's also now trying to make peace with her. And as he says, you know, he, he really wants to uh, see her take her clothes off. <laughs> Number <Yeah>. one. <laughs> but it, it's interesting the way they, they were playing it at the end. It seems like um, there could be a lot more to it. I mean, other than clearly his fascination with wanting to see a, a dwarf woman naked and have sex with <laughs> and her. have sex with her because he obviously wants to have sex with her um he, you know as he says a couple times he respects her her ambition and her drive and and her he's, he's very intrigued by the fact that she's called the badger the badger yeah yeah so he wants to know about that so yeah it's it's good i like what they're doing with that uh-huh it's it's really good so um let's cue the music <laughs> And you guys can listen to some music while we fast forward through everything that's not William Shatner. Yeah. With possible exception of something I definitely do want you to see. Okay, and then we're going to talk about two more episodes of Boston Legal. So if you haven't been watching Boston Legal, you're getting caught up in a whole month's worth Mm -hmm. in, you know, half We are your cliff notes to Boston Legal. Totally. It's great. Actually, we're kind of like Boston Legal for dummies, but we're really Boston Legal for intelligent people (laughs) who don't want to... Watch the bullshit and just, you know, we're telling you, just watch these bill scenes. Here's what's happened. Yeah. So you should go do it. And we'll tell you whether it was Professor Plum or Colonel Mustard, too. That's right, when we get to that. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us. You know you want to. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Okay. okay, what has happened? What Do they think it's a law show? <laughs> a good 60% of those two episodes went to that stupid murder trial. I think it was more than that. I think it was more like 75%. Um, and who cares? It's, it's a salmon as a lawyer. <laughs> Salmon sideburns. My first comment was going to be that um, they put Bill in a yellow tie. <laughs> Mine was much a much stronger I opening know, because I know. it had anger. <laughs> and unless you're really angry about that yellow tie, we shouldn't open it. I'm not. It. I was pleased. I was pleased that it was something different and not pink or red. Oh, okay. That was the main thing. Um, so, yeah, way, way too much. And it looked like from the coming attractions that they might actually be wrapping it up in the next episode. I, I hope so because it is just going on way, way too long, and it's way too complicated. It's like a John Grisham book or something. Yeah, it's like bringing in these characters, is. and it could have been any one of these three, and there are all these confrontations in the courtroom, and people are double-crossing each other. And I'm oh. changing my vote. Yeah? It was Miss Scarlet oh. in the ladies' room yeah. with the Tampax machine. <laughs> I believe it. You can kill somebody with one of those. Oh, absolutely. Totally. I agree. Okay, well, I'll, I'll agree with you. So we're not going to talk about that plot because it was really stupid. Um, let's talk about the fun stuff in episode three of the four that we watched. Uh, so the 
Denny Bethany plot continued, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this one actually focused uh, a little bit on the court case that she was trying, and I thought they handled that really well. Yes. Um, and the resolution was that uh, the HMO did end up settling with her, but bec- it, mostly because of the influence of the law firm. Well, also, as Denny pointed out, she did an extremely strong opening statement, and it scared him. And I thought it was good to see him in that sort of mentoring role, because Alan Shore doesn't need that mentoring. Uh And Bethany definitely did, so that was great. In fact, I had written that down. Um, There were two really good scenes, I thought, and both of them uh, featured Brad. Because he didn't get, he hasn't been used very much in these episodes. I know, episodes. they're giving and, way too much attention to the salmon. Yeah, they should have had Brad doing more. So the first part was um, just uh, as they're going into the trial, the other lawyer did something to really rattle Bethany to get her very upset. And so um, Brad was saying that's why he did that, was to get you upset because they know you're less effective when you're upset. And the two of them were sort of arguing. And finally she just looked at him and said, shut up. And he went back and he said, shut up yourself. <laughs> And we talked before about how funny it is when they make Brad act like a teenager. And that well, was one of those moments. It was perfect. It was just perfect. It also kind of reminded me, because we were just talking about this at dinner, of the scene in Impulse where Bill and the little girl are right. <laughs> like, You shut, shut up. up. You shut up. You shut up. So that was really good. But then right after that, um, Denny talks to her face-to-face and acts as her coach. But he sets her on the table. He picks her up and puts her on the table so they can be face-to-face. But he gives her a great pep talk and just says, you can do this. You have to go out there and be the best you can and give Mm -hmm. the greatest opening speech of your life. And you can do this. And it was great. It was really nice to see him in that role. So that that was um, awesome. The other thing um, that I thought Brad did really well was in the scene where they finally uh, reach an agreement with the HMO, he, the HMO lawyer names some large figure and Bethany's ready to settle for it because it's a really large amount of money. And Brad, um, does really good lawyering and he yes, negotiates. He and I was like, this is great to actually see him do the thing that he's really good at mm-hmm. and to call this guy's bluff and to select a larger number and give a really good reason for him to do it. And, and I, I was like really just nice to see him not being a buffoon or, mm-hmm. you know, chopping somebody's hand off or whatever, you know, doing some of the stupid stuff they've given him doing. He was being a really good, high-priced, huge corporate firm lawyer. Well, and there has been a little bit of speculation on the Shatner board about, you know, why is the salmon on the show, and is he being groomed to replace Brad? And I'm going, I I much prefer Brad as the voice of normalcy in that firm than than this bug-eyed salmon, (laughs) coho salmon. (laughs) Um, so that was good. So that, that was a fun plot line. Um, the whole other thing. So the other part of it, oh, and they did advance, uh, the relationship that Denny is having with Bethany where, um, he is still pursuing her and she's agreeing that she'll eventually have lunch with him after she forgets what he's really like. (laughs) It's great because she just keeps insulting him and calling him all kinds of names and he really likes her. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Well, and it's interesting, too, that um, his feeling for her and him being more interested in her and intrigued by her has followed the path of him seeing how effective she is as a lawyer. Yeah. And certainly the woman he was involved with that he married last year, I think he loved her and lusted her, lusted after her. But we're seeing his relationship with Bethany developing through his respect for who she yeah. is. Yeah. And th- I think that's a new experience mm-hmm. for him. I think so. He keeps acting like that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So that was cool. 
at the same time, in this particular episode, we also see the um, Alan-Shirley relationship sort of proceeding, and, and it was really well done. I thought the writing was great, and the acting was really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, and I, I thought it was really nice how Shirley comes in at the beginning of the episode and involves him in a case that she has to try, and does it all in a really flirtatious way. I don't mm-hmm. think we've ever seen her act quite like that with him. The times when she's had to involve him in a case... Um, she'll be funny and sarcastic with him, but in a very resigned way, like, Oh yes. God, I have to work with you. Right. But this time it was, it was much brighter. Mm-hmm. Like she really did want to spend some time with him. And I thought that was just great. So he, he repropositions her again. I thought in a very sexy way, that was really good. And, uh, she, she protests for two reasons. One, she says, men don't get over me. Because I'm phenomenal in bed. <laughs> and you can just see him lighting up at yeah, the thought. Like, amazing. And um, so there's that. And then she says that uh, the big problem is Denny. That if he could get Denny's blessing, then she would sleep with him. Um, no, she says, I'll consider I'll it. Consider you get it. Denny's I'll blessing. I'll consider Because it. she says, he's your best friend. It would right? hurt him. That's right. So uh, Alan thinks this is going to be easy. And he goes <laughs> to Denny to ask. And that whole scene where he's saying he's... That I've I've been reviewing our friendship and going on and on about how if I needed a if I needed your car, Denny says I'd throw you the keys, and if I needed your money, I'd write you a blank check, and if I wanted your opinion, my mind is blank. <laughs> that was really good. Yep. And the editing on that was really good. Very they sharp. They did that very well. But um, but Alan doesn't want him around Shirley. I no, mean, sorry, Denny, Denny. Denny doesn't want him around Shirley. And Denny knows exactly where he's going. Yeah. And just, he says, if I wanted something that you once had, you, I could have it, except for Shirley. Really? Yeah. And it, and and Alan keeps trying to to get around him, come in in a new way. No. But maybe if I... No. <laughs> but how about... No. And you can see Alan is absolutely stymied. He is. He just doesn't know what to say, which hardly ever happens. And I think that's a really fun side yes. that Spader's getting to play right now, is, mm-hmm. is Alan not knowing what to do. So that was cool. So... Um, why did you want me to write down the name of the, the girl that, Oh, Denny says, he tells a story. Yes. That, um, that when he was in school, there was a girl he had a crush on and she was seeing another guy. And so he wrestled the the guy for her and he won. And her name was Diana Corlock. Corlock. Something yeah. like that. Okay. I'm thinking, cause I just have this kind of mind. Diana Corlock. I don't think it's a made up name. It sounds like a real name. It sounds like a real name. It sounds like it was somebody's first, or it's an anagram or uh-huh. something like someone's name was uh, you know, Lorcock or uh-huh. something, you know. So, David Kelly's, William Shatner's. <laughs> Dave, James Spader. Well, I don't think Spader had input into the name. <laughs> I mean, Kelly wrote the scene, uh-huh. but Bill acted it. It could have been. It could have been. could have been. Think we should ask him about it? Yeah. Okay. Next time we see him. Put it on the list. Next time we talk to him. Definitely. Uh, okay. Well, we have it. I wrote it down. Okay. Um, so the point to that story is that uh, Denny and Alan agree that they'll wrestle each other for Shirley. <laughs> and what? Because that makes so much sense. <laughs> yes. And Shirley's appalled. But Alan's speech to her about why this is just... The, the best thing ever. And she uh-huh. goes, the whole idea of two fat boys rolling around on the floor. just <laughs> And, yeah, Alan's speech about that was pretty good. It was pretty eloquent. And you could see it kind of blew Denny away. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> and then after Alan gets done with it, he just says what he said. Yeah. 
Totally. <laughs> now, what surprised me when we finally got to the wrestling scene uh-huh. was I really did not expect it to be like some sort of strange dream where it's it's in front of the whole law firm in a wrestling ring, you know, and they're all there, Denise uh-huh. and everybody, everybody cheering. Everybody, and, and Denny's wearing a wrestling outfit. Wait, wait. A red wrestling red, outfit. Much like Charlie X. <laughs> You know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, when Bill said that they had just finished uh-huh. filming a wrestling scene, that was my first thought was, are they going to put him in Charlie X red tights? Close. close. Very, It very was close. red. Very close. And smoking a cigar. And showing chest, chest hair. hair, which we liked very much. And um, I had immediately noticed that his arms just look so good. And his butt. His butt looks good. His butt looked good. His butt still looks good. Of course, he's fat, but you he's know. He's fat, but he's still got a good butt. He does. And not a lot of fat men can say that. That's true. That's true. So that was amusing. And then Alan uh, shows up dressed in uh, buckskin as an, as an Indian with Betty White coming in front of him as Which his is manager. very cool. That was good. Uh, and I think Betty White would make a hell of a wrestling manager. Oh, definitely. Tough as nails. So Denny wins. Yes. In four seconds. Yes. By doing to him exactly what he said he did to the, the right. kid in school, which was, Flipped him over his shoulder and sat on his head. Yeah. And that's what he does. Yep. <laughs> Four seconds. <laughs> um, so they have a balcony scene at the end where they talk about this a little bit. And I, the first thing I noticed about that scene was that they were sitting in the, the chairs looked switched to me until I realized that they weren't facing out. They mm-hmm. were facing in. So that was interesting. Yeah. Just a different setup there. And, uh, of course, Alan thinks that Denny was cheating. Which I don't think he was. Was he? Was, was I don't he know. Cheating? I don't know the rules oh, of wrestling. I don't think he was cheating. <laughs> you can't just squat on someone's head. <laughs> um, and then it turned into a whole other weird discussion about cannibalism. Well, because the, the, the case that um, yeah. that Alan and Shirley were on had to do with cannibalism. Uh-huh. But the way that Alan puts it to Denny, where he says, would you eat me? <laughs> and Denny says, would you eat me? <laughs> Okay, now we're really heavily going towards '69. Are we gonna? Are you gonna play that song? Which song? The song you sent me. Oh, I can absolutely. That Don't you love that song? That That's a great song. For this show. I've always loved that song. Okay. Um, the the reason why um, I, I, I want to back up for a second. The whole "Will you eat me?" discussion is actually even more obscene than it sounds like when we're talking about it is because right before that, Denny's talking about the first time he had sex with Shirley and he says, I did the same thing to her. I flipped her down on the bed and I sat on her face. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe he said that on television. For and one Alan thing. says, I hope it was better for her than it was for me. And Denny says, good for me. And it lasted about as long. And then Alan says, would you eat me? Yeah. So it's all just very, very, um, Edgy. <laughs> but guess. also the scene ended with like an almost Fellini-esque um, visual symbol yes. of them both um, exhaling smoke from their cigars and it mingles yes. above them. And it was kind of like those old movies where they pan to the fireplace. Yes. <laughs> it was a lot like that. It was because, you know, and they're sucking on their big cigars. Yes, yes. It's like, okay, we get it. We get it. So they're continuing to do that. So that was a good episode. I liked that one a lot. Mm-hmm. That was very good. Now, the last one that we watched seemed to be sort of out of order because the whole Alan Shirley thing was totally dropped. Yeah. Now, is he, is he 
giving up on his pursuit of her because Denny won the wrestling match? It seems unlike him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trial, the boring trial continued, so we won't talk about that. Well, we will talk about one thing. Which? That Denny banged Gracie Jane in <laughs> in the, the the little, like, closet room. Yeah, that was pretty to good. To get her to, to shut up because she's, uh, you know, declaring their client guilty yeah. on the air. Yeah, well, I just love the fact that he comes up to her and starts talking, and she's being very dismissive of him and kind of saying, uh, you know, I don't need you, and... and uh, Really has a disgusted look on her face, and then five minutes later, uh, as they're the someone's going down the car to the salmon guy, and he opens up the door, and there's Danny like banging mm-hmm. her against the table. Yep. But he also <laughs> says, "Oh, come on, you and me, ten minutes, chubby sex." Right. <laughs> and they did it. They did it, chubby sex. Because yeah, she's not a skinny little bone thing either, which is very refreshing. Yeah, yeah, and an older woman, more mm-hmm. like his age, so that was good too. Uh, later, when. Uh, I guess Shirley confronts him about that. Yeah, she, yeah, I think so. Well, Shirley does, and Bethany does as well. Right, but I think it was when Shirley originally right. says it to him, and she says, "You slept with her, didn't you?" And he says, "That was cheap sex." And he says, "Yeah, the best kind." <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like the way he yep. says that. And uh, Bethany gets quite upset because right. they are, I guess, about to start dating or whatever. So, so okay, I have to back up once more. Yes. Because there's a scene at the very beginning of the episode that I do not understand, which was not explained. And I don't know what it was supposed to mean. So Denny's in his office and Paul comes in to ask him or tell him something. And Denny's wearing a bathrobe. And he's holding his briefcase sort of up in front of him like this. And Paul says, why are you wearing your bathroom? And he says, I just had a massage. And then he says, well, why are you holding your briefcase up? And he says, oh, I was getting my checkbook out to pay the masseuse. And Paul immediately realizes that there's somebody there. And it's Bethany who's hiding under his robe who looks like she's wearing a nightgown or something. I mean, it looked to me like she was wearing a negligee mm-hmm. even. And they have sort of a snippy conversation. And then the scene is over and we never find out why she was there, why she was hiding under his robe. Were they having sex? Was she really giving him a massage? Or was it a scene, as you're saying, taken out of order? Not just the whole episode, but that scene. Because later in the conversation he has with her, the implication, or there was something said about they haven't really even started dating yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he says to her, well, once I enter into an exclusive relationship, I sleep with very few people. <laughs> so, so funny. I don't know what what the bathrobe thing was. I don't get it, but it was funny. It was funny, it and was, I think that was its purpose. I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so the so Alan's not chasing after Shirley. Instead, he's sleeping with uh, Androjo woman. woman. Sally, who used to be on the show, who's back with a different hair color, but looking just as horse-faced and cross-eyed as she ever did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Jerry Espenson, she's defending him. And I love Jerry Espenson. That is a great character. No, Alan's defending Jerry. Oh, right, right. She's suing him. Suing him, yeah. Um, Jerry calls her Androjo woman. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's... he uh, is interested in her because he finds her attractive because she looks like that doll <laughs> that he's got, Patty. But he calls her Androjo woman. Androjo woman, which I think is absolutely perfect for her. And you know the thing about her is that 
to me, she doesn't exude any sort of sexuality at all. No. I mean, she's supposed to be hot, and she's she's very, very skinny in that TV actress way, and they focus a couple shots on her ass in tight pants as she's walking, but, I mean, besides the fact that I don't happen to think she's very attractive, she's very flat and boring and doesn't project any kind of vibe whatsoever. I mean, you know, her... Put her next to somebody like Parker Posey, who I would say is not pretty in the conventional sense. I mean, she's very attractive, but she's not pretty. Mm -hmm. She's not blonde. She doesn't look like Denise. Well, here's the thing. She has a vibe. I know David Kelly has done a number of TV shows, and the the other one I'm mainly aware of, other than The Practice, is um, Allie McBeal. And thinking about her and Callista Flockhart and a lot of the other young women who have appeared Mm -hmm. on this show... I don't think David Kelly has a good eye for what's a sexy young woman. Mm. I mean, he really scored with Candace Bergen, uh-huh. who still is, is is sexy and smart and intriguing. But these younger women, for the most part, all look like they came right out of the current Hollywood central casting. Yeah, totally. No, I, I agree. There's not a one that makes me go, oh. Wow. Yeah. I do her. The you know? o- yeah, the only woman I think who has been like that among the young lawyers was um the the woman that Alan had that fling with in Texas. Yes. I can't remember her name. Oh, she was great. She was so good. She was only in it for what, like six or seven episodes. Not even that. Yeah. And she came back and remember Right for that one that one. For thing. that one little But thing. she was awesome. She yes. was really good and she was very self assured and, and very sexy and uh, yeah, so and she wasn't real skinny either. Right. She had and a little soft store, which was very nice. Yeah. Looked like a woman. Yep. So instead of a stick figure, the whole Sally thing, I just don't get it. No, I don't see why she's supposed but, to be hot. Uh, Sally aside, um, she and Alan, after the trial, end up in bed together, and unfortunately, that is when Jerry has gotten up all his courage to come over and bring her flowers and. It's it's heartbreaking. It is. It really is a heart, especially because you know what's going to happen. Yes. Right? From the minute you see Jerry, you know that this is going to. Yes, happen. and it's it's so sad, and it is. Um, even Alan mentions it in his speech with Denny when he thinks of the the courage that yeah. he had to take yeah. for Jerry to to come over to call on her. So I hope that is not something that's going to be dropped because yeah. I I think Jerry Espenson is a unique character on television, and. It's being well written with some sensitivity to uh-huh. what his issues are. Yeah. And well acted. And well acted. That guy is good. He is really good. I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm sorry I don't remember the actor's name, but I recognized him because he was in one of my favorite shows, Briscoe County Junior, and he played, uh, oh God, I can't remember his Jerry name. Jerry Espenson did? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he was in Briscoe, and he played, um, oh, he had a funny name. It was a... a Socrates, and I can't remember his wow. last name. He was he was like the lawyer, and he was a very straight laced character who was always trying mm-hmm. to keep Briscoe from not to do dangerous things and like that. And he was really good in that, and that was a great show. You know, it was very fun mm-hmm. and playful, and he was a good team player with mm-hmm. all the other secondary oh. characters who were on there. So that's where I just knew that actor from. See, this summer, over the summer, I saw uh, the movie United ninety three, uh-huh. and he's one of the main actors in that, oh. but. 
he's playing someone so completely different and he's so good and convincing that for me, through more than half of that movie, it was one of those, what have I seen this guy in? <laughs> wow. Be- and, and Jerry Espenson's a very memorable character. Yeah. It wasn't like he'd slipped my mind. It's just this guy was doing something so different and so convincingly mm-hmm. that it would, you know, it was like, okay, the face is familiar, but. Wow. That's great. Well, yeah. what a good actor he is. It's really interesting that uh, they're giving, I would say, unfortunately, male characters character actors a chance to really Mm -hmm. shine on the show that they've had recurring characters come on um, and and pop up in different places the fact that Betty White's been on the show a lot has been great because she's wonderful Um, and to see some of them use the same characters for judges I think is interesting Mm -hmm. because that's something that would happen right you know you'd see them up come again and again and and they've chosen interesting people and I think now when we see the judges who are presiding over a certain trial, since we know a little bit about their character, we, we know a little bit more mm-hmm. about how a case might be resolved or what their reactions would right. be. I like that. I think yeah. that's really, it's, it's adding some layers to the drama. Um, so one more funny thing, and then we'll talk about the whole, the really good thing about that episode. Okay. Um, the, the very funny thing is when Bethany finds out that Denny slept with Gracie or, or gave her 10 minute chubby sex, she gets very <laughs> upset and runs out of the office and, and Denny decides he's going to go after her, and he kind of looks after her, and as he starts to go, he, he calls after her and says, Pumpkin? <laughs> it was so cute. It was great. It was great. So even after all that, she still thinks that they might have a relationship, mm-hmm. and I think in, in the last scene, you know, Denny really uh, uncovers some of that, what you were talking about before, about him respecting her as a lawyer mm-hmm. and being really impressed with her, and I thought that the one scene where he's trying to apologize for all the stupid shit he said. And there's, there's like a pause in their conversation. He just looks at her and he says, you're an extraordinary woman. And I don't get to meet too many extraordinary women. Like what a great comment and totally truthful coming from him as a Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. that being Denny Crane, how many women has he met and slept with and how many of them have been really extraordinary women? Right. Probably not that many, you know, like Mm -hmm. Shirley Schmidt and some of the others. Right. I, I, I like that. I he like probably that. married all the ones who were. Exactly, yeah. And maybe this will be number seven. As yeah, everybody as keeps, keeps saying. Everybody yes. keeps saying it. So that was great. So um, the really, really good thing about this episode was the trial. The, the, not the murder trial. Not the murder trial. No, 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 no. Um, I have to just give major applause here to Boston Legal, to David Kelly, to everybody involved with it for taking this on and taking it on head on which was um, Jerry Espenson has formed his own law firm, and one of his lawyers was a practicing Scientologist who apparently was causing Jerry to lose business because of him talking about all this stuff with clients. And so Jerry fired him. Mm -hmm. And Alan was defending him, and it was amazing. It was great. It was just... It it pulled no punches. And how often do you see that when religion is a topic on TV? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what really brought this home to me even more than just seeing the episode. I think it was great that, that Alan said, why do we have to give all this extra to religion just because it's religion? Um, normally on the Shatner board, there's quite a bit of discussion of the episode. Mm-hmm. The discussion of this episode has never mentioned that wow. at all because people are scared of it. Huh? People are scared of it. I believe it. Well, I, and when he said the thing about um, she's criticizing Christianity, I think that's a, a threat to the troops, you know. <laughs> and just just cut through the bullshit and and say exactly what it is because yeah. that is absolutely true. Absolutely. Um, 
I'm amazed that I hadn't heard anything about this because the last time that Scientology was a big flap in the news was the South Park episode. But what made this so great was you could not say that, oh, it's another TV show slamming Scientology. This went after religion in the way it is being used to beat everybody over the head, whether it's... Islamist extremists or, or, you know, the Christian extremists that we have right here in this country uh-huh. or, you know, anybody who's just out there trying to, to shove it down your throat uh-huh. and uses it as, as an excuse for everything they want to do. Yeah. I, I really love that they confronted it. I love that. And, and Alan made the point, which is absolutely the point, that you hire someone for a place of business. It's not a place of religion. It's a place of business. And you're expected to act in a certain professional manner. Mm-hmm. And that's what the whole separation of church and state is about, is separating those things. It's not preventing people from believing anything they want to. It's just keeping it out of the government. Pu- government. And in this case, in a private business. Well, and what I also liked is um, where Alan had one cross-examination where he really went after the Scientologist for his beliefs. And, and afterwards, Jerry said to him, you can't make a broad attack on religion. He said, I have to. Yeah. If I only go after Scientology, we're bigots. Uh-huh. And I thought, that's the validity of the whole thing, is that he was saying religion should not be your excuse for absolutely everything. Yeah. It's, it's not excusable just because... Your particular holy book, whatever that is, tells uh-huh. you what it is. Exactly. And yes, we know we'll get letters. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, the, it was it was a wonderful, eloquent speech. And I thought it was great that they had um, the jury find Jerry not guilty, mm-hmm. which was great. It was a great ending. And again, his reaction as the character was, was good. Just like total relief. Yes. Kind of pouring oh, over he him. He was wonderful. And, and then he was down. so awkward. I'm, I'm going to leave now. Is that all right? Yeah. It's like he doesn't know how to handle those situations. So he's asking Alan, am, am I doing okay? And yep. him saying thank you. And now can I leave? Yep. It was great. So that, it was it was awesome. But like I said, I'm really surprised that I didn't hear anything about this. And there were apparently no protests from the Scientologists about it. I mean, even though they didn't slam Scientology more than anything else, Alan was pretty vicious toward the guy, mm-hmm. the the lawyer who was suing him. I mean, he was calling him a loon and a nutcase and, <laughs> yeah. and just about everything else that you could think but of. But he also called members of other religions loons and nutcases. Yeah. Yes, because anybody who's out on the extreme edge... Um, I don't know. There's yeah. a possibility. Yep. So that was great. Um, there were clips from the next one, right? Oh, we saw that the trial might be wrapping up. Oh, thank God, please. <sighs> so that'll be good, but nothing else. Right? I also liked uh, in, in the balcony scene where Alan said, does it bother you, Denny, that there's a major case going on in this law firm and we're not front and center? And I'm shouting at the screen, well, it's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. It was another meta comment on what was yes. happening and, and, and Denny saying, well, uh, we may not be relevant, but we're rich and famous. Yes. Which is, and I Alan think, goes, the way Bill thinks about it. But it makes it hard to keep believing that it's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> I just love. That was really good. So we're looking forward to the end of the murder case and hopefully someone going psycho and killing the salmon. That would be great. We were hypothesizing that um, our dream ending to that trial would be for somebody to come into the courtroom with, like, an Uzi and mm-hmm. just mow people down and have yes. it be a bloodbath. That yeah. would make me very happy. Yeah, as long as Denny and Alan and Shirley. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Jerry and people like that are not. But, but thing one and thing two, all the other people associated with that trial, the insane neighbor and the kid and whoever else, yeah. the, everybody just, yeah, that's it. 
That'd yeah, the great. salmon and bitchy do yeah, have to go. That would be good. <sighs> wow, that was a lot of Boston legal. It was. My golly. So um, let's take a little break, and then we have a few other fun things to wrap up. Something, some things that aren't actually related to Boston legal. Yes, but um, and we're going to try and keep them short. Yeah. Okay. Cue the music. We're going to do some, we're going to do an exchange of email. We're each going to read something that the other person hasn't seen yet. So this should be amusing. But first you're going to take a drink of Werner's. Okay. I took my drink. Do you want to go first? Okay. I'm ready. I'm one of the other groups I'm on. Someone had um, posted a question about scotch. Uh Uh-huh. Not scotchy? Not scotchy. (laughs) I knew it would make you laugh. And, uh, basically they, they were wanting to know more about texture and color and things like that because... They didn't want to keep calling it scotch over and over. Uh-huh. So I jokingly, of course, provided a list. And I had put on things like uh, liquor, moonshine, hooch, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, that they could use. And our friend Francine. Oh, yes, Francine. Who listeners will remember. Yeah. Francine was the one who invited Becca, the reporter, uh-huh. to our party. Posted these uh, three very brief paragraphs. Okay. And just with no preface. This is just all she put. The fiery sienna moonshine seared a path down his throat that exploded in his belly and sent a barrage of hot amber shrapnel through his veins like oak-aged lava that had been distilled in a distillery of love. Now that's what I call some good hooch, she said, softly belching warm firewater-scented fumes into her face. Let's get liquored up, baby, she slurred, like a Denebian slime devil on greased-up roller skates. <laughs> That's great. Is that not beautiful? I love that. I love the amber shards, and I love <laughs> distilled in a distillery. <laughs> I like greased-up roller skates. Oh, that is great. That's worthy of the Russian always screams twice. It is. It absolutely is. Well, you know, the next time we do a round robin like that, we have to invite her to be part of it. Yeah, if she's going to totally, write stuff like this. Totally. Oh, that so anyway, really I just great. wanted to share that with you because it was so funny. It made me laugh really, that really hard. That is great. Thank you, Francine. That was very, very funny. Um, so mine is amusing, but it's a little more uh, relevant to you personally. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, Greg, our very own Kiwi, Yay. sent me an email, and he said, I had a dream about you. About you or about me? I'll read it. Okay. He says, I was at some festivity, which was probably a wedding, and suddenly you were there. We had such a good time, and then, for some reason, I started chanting, Shatner, and soon everyone was doing it, and suddenly, there he was at one of the tables, wearing a fake beard for some reason. (laughs) Not my dream, Greg's dream. Okay. It was cool. But then, he said he had to leave us all, but he was to take one of us with him. (gasps) And that person was JK. (laughs) She appeared. And she and Shatner went up into a lighted sky. (laughs) We were sad to lose both Shatner and JK, but happy that she would be ascending to sit upon the right hand of Shatner. (laughs) 
And have chubby sex? Oh, Greg says, sheesh, what weird religious symbolism. Let Freud sort that one out. <laughs> oh, Isn't that funny? Funny, it's wonderful. So that was his dream, that you ascended with Shatner into the heavens. That is so <laughs> wonderful. So this makes me, I mean, the fact that he said he had a dream where he started chanting Shatner and he clapped and he appeared. Maybe he could do that for us in real life and that would work. Okay. We got to test that. You so, know. you know, so yeah. next time Greg comes over here or you and I go over there. Yeah, yeah, we'll start chanting and clapping and maybe Bill will just appear. Wow. <laughs> wow. I've been saving that for like a whole week because I didn't want to just send it to you. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Thank you for saving it. Thank you, Greg, for having that dream and sharing it. But, you know, strangely enough, I've had that dream many times. Have you really? Were you ascended? <laughs> Where Bill and I ascended into this, this bright, bright light together, and and uh, it's it's followed by screams of ecstasy. Oh yeah. I'm glad it didn't turn out that you and I had to wrestle each other oh, over who was going for with Bill. Bill. I, I I yeah I totally because I'd hate to have to sit on your head. <laughs> <laughs> you do it too. I would. Okay, let's just mention two other things really briefly before we go. Important events. Important events. Um, we're going to Las Vegas. In oh my god, it's like in a couple of weeks. We're yes. we're leaving on the fifth, and we're coming back on the seventh, and we're going to the Star Trek experience because we had heard somewhere somehow that it might be closing, and we really wanted to see it. So we're gonna go. Um, we're gonna um, take copious notes. We're going to do what we can about taking pictures and talking to people. And, you know, maybe we'll score some interviews. That would be pretty cool. I want to see if we can get us invited to one of those Star Trek weddings. Yeah, that would be awesome. And we'll definitely, you know, we'll go to Quarks and talk to some of the people who are there. So that should be way, way fun. Mm-hmm. So um, we've had some email from people who have been to the Star Trek experience who, who shared their stories, which was wonderful. So if you've been and you want to send us your story, we'd love to hear about it. And if anybody has, like, tips or tricks or secret information that you want to share, please send it along. Like if you go Shatner, he appears. He appears. That's a valuable tip. That would be good. So that's going to be coming up. And we'll probably be doing multiple podcasts from Las Vegas when this happens. Um, And the other thing is that on November 9th, there is going to be a special showing of our favorite movie, Impulse, (laughs) at the Parkway Theater in Oakland, California. Um, it's a really cool place that doesn't have seats. It has couches and comfy chairs. And kids aren't allowed because they serve liquor. They serve liquor. Moonshine. They have moonshine, amber shards, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to go, and uh, I think Francine is going to go too, right? Yep. She said she would be there. And, and if, she's bringing her greased up roller skates. Okay. So if any of the other local fans want to meet up with us, that would be great. Um, and, and we're going to uh, see, we're going to try to score an interview with uh, the person who's putting this on. Will the Thrill. Will the Thrill. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be just a, a whole ton of fun, and we'll be wearing our Look at His Butt t-shirts as well. So that should be a great, great time. And mine will be laundered. But still with the signature Yes, on it. I, very, I tested very it for, for color Oof. fastness and, and waterproofness, and uh, and then I actually did wash it okay. once I found out, and now it's it's clean, and it's waiting to go to, awesome. um, to Vegas and to Impulse. To Impulse, that'll be great. Great. We're going to see Impulse on the big screen. The big, giant, <gasps> white, bent-over butt. Oh, my God. On the big screen. It's going to be so awesomely And awesome. we'll be drunk. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be great. Okay, and now we're going to play a special song. Yay! So that you can all enjoy this. This is one of our most favorite songs. And, you know, the thing about this song is you can almost sing Look at His Butt to the, the tune of what they're really singing. And after you sent it to me, I had the song going through my head for at least two days. <laughs> 
And a good part of that time, I was singing Look at His Butt instead of the real words. It's perfect. It's just perfect. So go and enjoy and see if you have it stuck in your head for two days. Yeah. 